Hey, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Relax Running Podcast. This episode is brought to you by RelaxRunning.com. If you haven't heard, Relax Running gives you exclusive access to all the training secrets of the best runners in the world, um, access to insights, all designed to to help you guys like specifically improve your own running for whatever event that is. So if you're not a member yet, you can jump on over to RelaxRunning.com to check it out. You'll also find some bonus episodes there from Brett Robinson, Australia's new half marathon record holder. Ran 59.57 a couple of weeks ago, which you probably already heard about, which was disgusting. So I sat down with him and picked his brain about how to specifically prepare going into a marathon. So there's uh man, there's so much, there's so much in that interview that uh, you'll need a notepad and pen. So if you jump on board, uh, make sure you have that ready when you get there. Also, sat down for a bonus podcast episode with Jess Trengove, or Jess Stenson now, who's a two-time Olympic marathon runner, two-time Commonwealth Games bronze medalist, a 225 marathon runner, and uh, and had a bit of a chat with her, specifically mums out there. I think you're going to like that one. I, I really pick her brain about how she found returning to competitive running after having her young fella, Billy, uh, because it is quite new, uh, we're giving out the 100 members. So the first 100 members are going to have a lifetime access to the uh, membership for just 5 bucks a month. So um, uh, just to give you a little overview, you'll get two bonus podcast episodes each month. You'll get access to the Relax Running Community Forum. You'll also get uh, access to the Elite Insight videos, which, uh, which are really good, just little bite-sized pieces of wisdom on how to improve your running. So uh, I've got a few members joining up now, which is which is really good. So a special shout out to uh, to some of our to some of our original members, the OG Matt Stacy, welcome on board, and Joy Perry, Craig Timms, who's becoming a great mate of mine through the membership, uh, Annabelle White, and Shane Castle uh, from up in Queensland. I think Shane is so uh, really excited to to get you guys on board, and and hoping that the rest of you are, are going to jump on board so we can build that community and, and get all of us running faster. So if you're interested in that, you can jump on over and start your free trial today. Um, it's been really fun to build, so uh, if you guys enjoy it as much as me, you'll be in for a treat. On the show today, we've we've done something a little bit different. We uh, I, I caught up with a bloke called Brody Sharp, who is a physiotherapist and the host of the Run Smarter podcast. So we're both, uh, we're both putting this on our shows respectively and uh, I sort of just let him take the reins and, and followed along for a great conversation so really enjoyed it it was a great chat and uh, I'm looking forward to getting Brody on the show a whole heap more so uh, make sure you, you jump over subscribe give him a shout out say well done and uh, and just let him know you heard about him over here all right let me get out of your way here is a chat with me and Brody Sharp So uh, we have Tyson from Relax Running and Brody from the Run Smarter podcast. And we thought we'd have this idea to um, combine our brains, mash our brains together from a physio perspective and from a running coach perspective and talk about errors in training. And we have a few dot points written down. And should we, maybe we'll just do a little quick intro. So Tyson, do you want to talk about uh, your background and yeah, your... uh, I guess, career around running coaching? Yeah, sure, man. I'll, I'll explain a little brief background as to, to how I found myself here. I, um, I, I started running just through, you know, playing football as a, as a junior. Um, but once I hit about 13, my mate started to grow and I was still a little tiny fella who got too hurt when I ran into a pack. So I thought, I'm a good runner. I'll just focus on that side of things. And, and I was living in Perth at the time. Um, so I started to do a bit more specific training for, for the distance running and I went out and ran like the under 14 state championship cross country, which I won. And I thought, Oh my gosh, like I'm actually pretty good at this sport. So I, uh, that was sort of where everything, um, that was the foundation, I guess, for the rest of my career. And then I moved to Victoria when I was about 15 or 16 and, and kept running. And, um, you know, 2010, I, I ran on the Australian team at the world uni cross country champs, which was like a massive highlight of my career. Um, won the Vic Champs in 2011 over the mile, which was 
um, you know, a really, really cool experience as well. And I mean, just fell in love with the sport as I went. So as I, as I said to you before we hit record, there's, there's so much that you learn through a journey over so many years. Um, I, I finished up running in, in about 2013, actually. I, uh, I, I just kept having health issues and had a couple of sinus surgeries, which was um, in the end found out was just related to like an intolerance of dairy. Uh, and like a lot of athletes, it's such a big commitment in your life that, uh, you know, when I, when I finished up, I thought, oh, okay, I'll just, I'll hit pause on the running world for a while and went away and lived in London for a couple of years with my wife and I always kept a pretty close eye on the running world, but really wanted to get back into it. So, um, probably six, six or so months ago, I was like, oh, I'd, I'd love just to, you know, start speaking with athletes and things again. And that's when I started the Relax Running podcast, just with the idea of, you know, getting to know the athletes and, and getting to know the person just behind the running scene. And, um, man, I don't know about, I don't know about other athletes, but when I was training, I was always just obsessed with finding out what worked for other athletes and, and what they needed help with and, and, you know, where they were winning sort of thing, you know, what, what, whether it was psychologically or in their training or in their recovery. So I thought I'd be a, a cool opportunity just to expose some of these secrets, I guess you call them to, to people who wouldn't otherwise have the chance to chat with these people. So man, it's, it's a, it's a new little, it's a new little, uh, a new little thing, but it's, it's amazing. Um, you know, just how informative it is and, and how many people it's has, has clicked with so quickly. Yeah, it's going to be cool to collaborate with like your ideas and my ideas because I think it's a different perspective coming from a coach. Like you're working with these people quite frequently and you see them a lot of times when they're thriving and like during their actual, like structuring their training sessions. And myself, I mainly see them when they're injured and trying to get them back. And you might not see, maybe might not see a, a runner like in a consult room and like the frustrations that they're going through. So, um, I think we we both have some good expertise, but from like slightly different um, tangents, slightly different fields. And so it's going to be really cool to see what you come up with, see what I've written down as well. Uh, so how about, do you want to just take away with your first dot point and then we can just, I suppose, just take from there? Yeah, man. Yeah. So I was just brainstorming some of the things that I wish I knew when I, when I first started running and I've got a lot of people, I guess, I, I think that the people who listen most to, to my podcast are people who are quite new to the sport. So um, a lot of questions seem to come through, which are quite similar. And um, I, I guess these are like a, a breakdown of a lot of those questions. But the first thing that I've written down, which is a, a real hindrance, to, I think, to a lot of athletes is, um, is just trying to do too much too early. And, and man, I don't know, I don't know about yourself, but um, I, like, I, I started doing comedy, stand-up comedy about a year and a half oh, ago. Oh, cool. And was, uh, dude, it's, it's like, it's such a thrill and it's so addictive, but that's like another podcast episode, but it's, uh, there's so many correlations between distance running and performing in comedy, which you just wouldn't expect. Um, and one of the big things is that so many comedians stand up for the first time and think they need to be Kevin Hart to start with. They think they need to have everything refined and curated and it's going to be perfect. And, and really it's, it's ugly and it's messy and it's painful and it's embarrassing. And I think, on the running scene, it's it's very similar. If you just decide that, all right, I'm going to start running and train for my first marathon. Um, if you've come from a non-running background, or even if you've you've had a running background of sorts, uh, the idea of training for a big event like a marathon, say, is, is is a great goal to have. But I think one of the things that puts too much pressure on people and um, just really limits their enjoyment of the sport is is setting the goal to run a marathon in two months or six months or maybe even a year. Um, when they just need so much more time than that, running such a sport, and it just it really relies on on consistency and just showing up day after day, uh, and, and the idea that you're going to get your body from where it is when you first started running, or any sport or anything for that matter, um, it's I think it's just an unnecessary pressure that it that it puts on you. So I always encourage people to go, okay, so how long yeah, how long have you been running for? what are your goals? Like when are you thinking you'd like to run a marathon or a 5k or a 10k or, and then I always just uncover, uh, try and encourage the athletes to think of it from a longevity point of view. Like if you set yourself some ridiculous goal to, you know, run a long distance in far too short amount of time, not only is it going to end up in your consultation room trying to get guidance on how to deal with these injuries, but um, just the enjoyment factor of constantly going out there and being like, Oh man, am I ever going to get fit? Um, you know, when you expand that time frame a little bit, obviously the the little breakthroughs in your performance and the little breakthroughs in you know increasing how far you're running and increasing the 
the hills and stuff that you're running over, it, it becomes something for a lot of people that's so much more enjoyable. So for any new runners listening to this, I would always say, hey, really limit how much you do early and expand your horizons so you can uh, you can both enjoy it and, and reduce the likelihood that you're going to be injured and have to take out any big chunks of time. Yeah. Um, just quickly, what do you think leads, like why do you think people jump out of the gates too early or do too much too soon as a new runner? Well, I, I, I can speak firsthand at this because I, I feel like in, in so many other areas of my life, I make this mistake. And for me, I, I can't necessarily speak for so many others, but for me, it, it usually comes down to enthusiasm and, and inspiration. I, you know, I might I listen to a podcast or I listen to someone speak about um, what's taken them 10 years to create. And I thought, oh, you know, what's taken them 10 years? I'm just going to jump out of the gate and try and create it in five years. And I think it's born from good intentions. Like you really want to uh, really improve and you really want to prove to yourself that you can do it. Um, and I think motivation and inspiration is a really powerful thing. So, so often those two factors combined can, um, you know, almost put the blinkers onto any injuries and any soreness and things that are creating. So I think, yeah, I'll, I'll probably, I'll get, I'll guess that there are a couple of the really big factors that lead people to, um, do too much too soon, but I can imagine there's a whole, there's a whole heap of reasons that would go into it. Yeah. And if someone's listening and wanting to start running or they've just started running and they don't want, they understand that people do too much too soon, but don't want to slack off either. Um, I guess they need to try and find the right balance, but how can they know if they know that uh, they can't do too much too soon, what dictates that? Yeah, I, I think one of the big mistakes that, that people make in every aspect of life as well is they just there's people out there who have already paved the path. Like there's people who know how to do it. There's people who have started and there's people who have started from nothing and, and ran, uh, you know, multiple marathons. And I think uh, I think just going to those people in your life and saying, okay, this is where I'm at, like what would you recommend is is just such an important – it's so simple that it's, it's often overlooked. So I would encourage someone in that position just to find someone who's, you know, already done what they're trying to do get the guidance that they need and, uh, you know, just start implementing small steps from there. I think when you start guessing your way through a, a training program, that's where, that's where things get a little bit difficult. Like, man, I'm, a, I'm an experienced runner and a year and a half ago I decided to run my first marathon. And, and even me, like who's been in the sport for so long, I thought I knew better. I was like, oh, you know what, I'm just going to do it as a social thing. I'm already pretty fit. And I, I maximized, I think the longest run I ever did was, was 30K and I did that once. And every other run was 25k, and uh, it's funny, man, because I've spoken to Sean Crichton and Jess Trengove and um, Adam Adam Didix, a friend of mine, and uh, all of them would say, "Hey, no, the most important factor is your long run." And because I was going into it just with like a, a bit of a nonchalant sort of point of view, where it's like, oh, it'll work out fine," um, it, it it really smacked me when I <laughs> when I got to about the 23k mark of that marathon. I thought, "Oh my gosh, like I should have <laughs> listened to these people." So. Um, it's an easy mistake to make regardless of what level you're at. But um, especially if you're new, I would say, hey, get some guidance of, of someone who's been there. Yeah, and I think that's where the importance of a running coach comes into it. If they're, um, I'm just trying to think of an answer myself and just picturing like uh, someone who's just doing their um, wanting to train for their first 5K or park run or something. Um, there's also, I'd say probably the Couch to 5K app, I don't think has steered many people wrong. Um, and if those people who don't like using technologies or using their phone, I'd probably say it's a, a rate of perceived exertion as well when they are running, especially when you're starting out. A hard session is like how you perceive um, the workout that you're doing. And a lot of your running should be a comfortable breath, like should be able to talk, should be able to sing, should be able to um, not get out of control with the heart rate, with the breath and the, with the sweat, that sort of thing. Um, that should be most of your running sessions. And especially if you're starting out, making sure you have one or two recovery days in between and not doing consecutive days, allow that body time to recover. So I think that might be a, a few um, cool little tips for someone who is very, very new to running and doesn't want to get any overload issues. Um, we've sort of touched on this point a little bit longer than I thought, but I think this is one of the main messages because this is, one of the main dot points why people get injured, it's doing things too much too soon. And that can be said for a new runner, but it can also be said for, for an experienced runner who is having some time off, who has gone overseas on holidays for three weeks and is now coming back after, you know, not doing much running. 
it does they bounce back a lot quicker but they still need to treat those principles exactly the same would you agree with that Oh, 100%, man. And before we do move on to the next point, I think Couch to 5K is a great example because if you read through their program, it's nothing fancy. It's a really simple program which um, definitely errs on the side of caution for a new athlete. Um, and as you mentioned, it, it gives you the opportunity for recovery in there. And I think the reason it works so well for so many athletes is because um, it's like that snowball effect. If you can do one small thing well, um, you can do that consistently. It, it builds your confidence to start looking at other areas and assuming you'd be able to adjust those well also. So I think Couch to 5K has done a brilliant job of, of yeah, I guess the, the message is in the title, getting from people from the couch out, just you know, running shorter distances up to running. I think they've got programs up to the marathon now, but it's all a, um, it's all just a gradual step-by-step process that they seem to grab your hand and guide you along the way. So I think that was a, a really good point to bring up. Yeah, some people are taken back a little bit when they have a look at their first run that's on the app and how much walking is involved and how little jogging is involved. And um, it's the right way to do it if you're starting out. So, uh, and I think it's a good entry level kind of run. They're like, oh, I can do that. They're not feeling as intimidated either. But um, yeah, it's a good point. I'll move on to one that I have written down, which kind of um, interweaves a little bit. And I've put this down for beginners. Like I've sort of broken it up into errors that beginners make and errors that more advanced people make. But for the beginner, I have um, comparing themselves to others when they're first starting out. And this is would either be with say mates or like social media or Strava or something, just comparing themselves too much in, in the mileage that other people are doing and the speeds that other people are doing. And I've been on a few Facebook groups the last couple of weeks and people are posting saying like, Oh, I've just started out, but like you guys are doing so much running. How do I get to that? Um, I've, you know, I'm struggling to get that amount of mileage and you sort of allude to at the start. It's a, it's a, it's a long game. You need to play that long game. You need to be very, very patient and it can be very dangerous comparing yourselves to others in those circumstances because that can also lead to doing too much too soon as well, because you feel like, um, you have to try and keep up with them, but you're really just playing your own game and make sure you don't get suckered into Instagram and Strava. It can be uh, a very dangerous uh, path to lead down. What do you want to make any comments about that? Oh man, I just, I think it's such a, you've hit the nail on the head and I think it's, it's a point that's not just limited to running is it? it's um, I could use the comedy example again. Ironically, last night I was at a, a 40th dress up party and uh, I didn't dress up. So I was hovering in the corner trying to avoid being seen. <laughs> and there was a, there was a bloke in the corner that I started talking to who was a, who was a criminal lawyer. And he was saying to me, uh, he, he was only 31. He'd been in the business for, for six years. And I asked him that exact question. I said, is that, is that a, sp- uh, is, is that a, um, is that a job where you feel like you're constantly looking at the best in the business and feeling like you wish you were already where they are now? And he goes, yeah, but the best in the business are 50 or 60. And I think, um, yeah, it, it's fine to com- to compare progress to who you were. Uh, Jordan Peterson says it. He's like, don't compare yourself to uh, who someone else is today. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday. And uh, I think that's a one. great point. And it's, a, it's, a, it's something that I'm constantly trying to balance on because I make that mistake and, um, I think every human being makes that mistake of of looking at someone who's where they wish they were and uh, and just wishing you were there today. But man, one thing that I've found out through speaking to great runners is there's there's no finish line in the sense that um, there, there's not one one runner on the planet, even Ali Kipchoge right now, is thinking, yeah, surely I wonder if I could break an hour 59 or I wonder if I could do that again. There's, there's no point where someone's like, okay, now I've finally done it all. Thank God I can rest. It's, yeah. uh, I think it's more of a mindset shift than it is actually a, a performance adjustment. You can run the, the fastest times or be the best performer in the world and still be completely dissatisfied. In fact, I think one of the mistakes that so many of the best in the uh, – Madonna was quoted a few years ago, like what was, what was her drive for success? And she says she just feels like a constant failure. And once one big thing's done, she feels like she has to go out and achieve the other. And I think that's a, that's a really important thing to, to get on top of because if you want to enjoy your running, you want to be able to appreciate the journey that you're taking to, to get the results. So, um, yeah, spending a bit of time working on your mindset and, uh, and, and just conquering those inner demons that says you're not good enough or you're not performing fast enough is a, is a really important tip. Mindset's a good point. And you need to shift your thinking to, okay, where was I? Um, last week a few months ago and have I learned more than what I did back then am I um, getting better it might not be you might go through ebbs and flows of actual uh, performance 
because you might be managing injuries or something, but am I learning along the way? Um, am I getting fitter? Am I um, actively working towards something? Am I progressing? Um, yeah. Instead of just being like, oh, you know, my mate did 10 Ks today. I'm nowhere near that. You know, it's, um, yeah. it's a good way to shift. Um, anything you want to add on before we go to your next dot point? Uh, no, no. I think uh, I think we've done well there. That was a that was a good little chat. I enjoyed that. I hope, um, man, if other people are enjoying this chat as much as I am, we're in for a, we're in for a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's take it away. Um, Let's go for the next one. <laughs> the second one I've written down is uh, is potentially a really obvious one, but uh, again, like most uh, things, it's so simple that I think a lot of people look over it, and that's just yeah, the shoes that you're choosing to run in. Um, in fact, one of uh, a mutual fan of both of our podcasts, his name's Craig Timms, I think his last name is, great fella, uh, messaged me on the on the membership the other day and just mentioned that he was having some trouble with the shoes that he had been running in. And uh, I just encouraged him just to, to go down. I said, oh, have you had anyone ever look at your feet? He's like, nah. I said, well, just why don't you just go down to your local athlete's foot and ask for the manager and just ask them to give you a bit of a guide on the treadmill as to, based on your foot type, uh, you know, what kind of shoe you should be running in. And, um, I think that's a really helpful tip, man. I was, I think I was 22 before I knew what like flat foot and arches and, and everything were. I didn't know um, how important a, a certain shoe was for a certain person. So I would, I would definitely encourage people at all levels of sport and in fact from all sports to uh, you know, go and see a podiatrist maybe. Maybe that's a better option than just going down to your local athlete's foot and getting them to really look at your foot. My wife about 10 years ago was having constant back pain, pain and she had like a, a – a really mild version of scoliosis. So she got told, uh, first of all, to do some back exercises, but also she has really flat feet. Uh, so a, a Melbourne podiatrist just put her into some um, orthotics. And, uh, and man, she, since then, not only has her, her back's improved, um, it's just amazing how you'd know this better than me, but it's amazing how interconnected all your body is. Um, so if your, your feet are out, your legs are out, your back's out, um, it's it's not going to be too beneficial. So I'd encourage people to find out. Okay, what are the right shoes for the for your feet? Uh, for how much running you're doing, and, uh, and and really try and make the investment into getting those shoes because it's a it's a really important step in nurturing the health of your your legs and the rest of your body. Yeah, and I think one of the key points is to um, yeah see a sports podiatrist for more guidance. I don't think like the the general athlete's foot like manager or um, staff are really the best place to go. I think they're um, more, well, first of all, they're not as trained, um, but I think they're a bit more on the salesy side of things. Um, so yeah, I think having someone who's independent of like what shoes they need to buy and actually looking at the foot is themselves um, is a good point. So a podiatrist who actually sees a lot of runners and is passionate about seeing runners would be right up their alley. There's, like everyone has their own slight um, biases or um, you know opinions that they like to give about shoes, and it's a very controversial topic for a lot of people. Um, the simplest uh, point I like to make when people are choosing runners is really choose ones, choose runners that are comfortable for you. Choose ones that like try several different types, and whatever feels the most comfortable with you running in, they're the ones that are right for you. And, um, my point is there's, when it comes to foot shape and like collapsing arches and that sort of thing, there's not really one shoe type that's for those. It's not like a cookie cutter. Okay. You have flat feet. You need this shoe. You have high arches. You need this shoe because a lot of people respond dynamically quite different once they actually start running. So you'll know yourself once you slide those shoes on and start running and be like, Oh, these actually feel really good. Um, it's a, it's a very good point to make. And like you're saying at the start, a lot of people make that error because they haven't tried on different shoes and it's, it's a, it's a mistake people make because they could be running for, you know, the first year of their running career and not having tried other shoes and knowing what it could feel like. And yeah, I think that's a very good point to make. Mm, yeah, awesome, man. No, I totally agree. Everything you've just said. I, uh, yeah, I probably should have emphasized the fact that I think I've worked at enough running stores to realize that you've got to hit a commission. Um, so definitely just saying that uh, if, you're, if you're brand new and you've had no one look, um, but, but as, as you said, like, uh, yeah, if you can afford it, go and see a podiatrist. That'd be a, a far better option. Yeah. And if you, if you don't have uh, uh, the money or, you, you know, 
if you're not too sure what um, direction to take or the next step is just go with comfort. It, it's really, it can be that simple as a, as a starting point. It's funny how much uh, a lot of it does to, comes down to the most simple things, isn't it? It's like yep. a, we get so caught up in the science and we get so caught up in the new foam and the new colours. It's like, no, no, what, what works? What's comfortable? Yep. <laughs> Great tip. Great yep. tip. It, it, I say that with running. It can be overly complicated or it can be just simplistic in its finest terms. It's, um, it, it can really go one way or the other. And it's like when we go on these topics and all the topics I come up with my podcast episodes, you can really do deep dives and look at the science and look at these little nitty-gritty stuff. But sometimes the takeaway message can just be one sentence and you just take it from there. <laughs> It's so funny as well, man. Like uh, it just sparked a thought with Stewie McSwain, who's who's the big hot thing in Australian running at the moment. And obviously, he's just an incredible talent. Um, and I trained with him when he was when he was a little bit younger up in Ballarat. And I hadn't seen him for a few years, and I'd sort of fallen into the trap that I was like, oh man, like he's obviously everything in his life. He's just you know he's nailed every aspect. And I did a podcast with him a while ago in a subway store actually. And as we left, he got a foot long meatball sub. And uh, he goes, he goes, mate. Maybe don't get a photo of me eating this because uh, it probably doesn't scream professionalism. And I thought, you know what? Like, there's probably enough carbs and enough fuel that he's doing enough running to burn off the bad stuff in that. But it just makes me laugh that you can get so caught up in the uh, in the science of diet and nutrition and performance. And the best runner in Australia is still smashing a foot long sub. So did you see also Liam Adams yesterday? Not definitely not promoting this, um, but uh, he just ran two hours ten for the marathon. And uh, online it had him finishing the marathon and then the second photo was the Mac as he demolished after it. And uh-huh. I thought, mate, not, not only is that deserved, but it's probably, it's definitely not like you're on your recommended foods for your top athletes yet. There's, yeah, there's enough room in the, uh, in the program for a little bit of wiggle room from time to time. Yeah, I did read Usain Bolt's book and um, he did <laughs> express his love for chicken nuggets. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> Let's, let's, I reckon we move on. Um, I think I'm starting to think now, like what sort of, um, what dot points I need to skip and which ones I should talk about. Um, mainly coming from, uh, I might combine two. I might actually combine two for, for a new runner. It's, uh, some big mistakes that they make is, um, combining too many different variables when we're talking about making too much, uh, too many spikes in your training load. Um, combining variables such as speed, distance, and like hills is um, can be a really big mistake and lead to a lot of um, training errors and overuse injuries. And so knowing what would happen um, if you slowly increase your speed, yeah, fine. If you slowly increase your distance, yeah, fine. Yeah, you're kind of in the safe zone. If you slowly start implementing hills, yeah, that's okay as well. But if you start combining uh, those factors together, uh, it can ramp up and amplify your training load um, way too much. Perhaps beyond what you actually think it's doing to the body. They think, oh, it's pretty harmless just doing some some fast hills and um, or like a longer distance that incorporates hills and realizing the importance and the awareness of that. Have you seen any uh, training errors like that with uh, oh, the people you work with? All the time, man, all the time. And I'm about to make what could be a, a terrible analogy because I'm a terrible chef, but... Um, one thing that I know is important when you're following a recipe in the kitchen is um, you, you can't just put every ingredient in the pan at the same time and expect the meal to come out like it's expected. Like there's a good one. There's a I like process. that. Yeah, there's a process, and uh, and and this would be completely destroyed if you watch me try and cook a meal because I don't necessarily follow this all the time. But if I wanted it to taste good, I would. Um, <laughs> and I think. Uh, I, I think just following the, okay, what, what do I add now? Is it the garlic? Is it the onion? Do I put the rice in? But like, when's it ready? Um, just letting it simmer, letting the flavors adjust. I think it's a really good point. Um, you've, you've pretty much covered everything that I would say, but that's just like a nice little analogy just to be able to cement it is, um, yeah, if you want to, if you want to cook a good meal, make sure you follow the recipe and, and the recipe is always one step at a time. And it's a, it's the same with your training. So adjust your, adjust your distance. Once you settled there, adjust your speed. Once you settled there, if your body's adjusting, uh, yeah, just gradually, day by day, just week by week. It's a, it's a real name. One athlete in the world who's become an Olympian after a week. It just doesn't happen. Um, so if you want to improve your running, you're here for a long time. Just you've got plenty of time to adjust and adapt. So, so make sure you take your time because you're going to be a, your body's going to thank you in the long run. Yeah, I think that's a c- concise message that people can wrap their head around. I think we move on to our next point that you have written down. 
Perfect, man. Um, well, actually, this is, it ties in beautifully, and, and this is something I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, is, um, is just ignoring recovery. I think so many athletes are so obsessed with the running part of things that um, they assume that that's all that there is to improve. And, uh, and obviously, if you're, like anything, if you're going to put in the hard work, you need to let your body absorb it. Um, I think there's a number of things. I actually spoke with John Quinn about this in a little more depth uh, just on the membership last week, and he gave some really helpful practical tips for, for recovery. But what meant from a physio's perspective, what, what kind of uh, things would you recommend on a subject like that? Uh, are we talking about recovery in like active recovery or are we talking about things like sleep and diet and stress? Man, all of the above, I reckon. Okay. Um, this kind of links in with one of the other, uh, points that I have. So I wrote down a, a training error would be, um, linking things like stress and sleep, uh, with recovery and getting overuse injuries because you're ignoring how much quality sleep you're getting and um, how you're feeling after a training session, how you're feeling before a training session and um, using that data to inf- to kind of produce what well, will determine what type of session you're going to have that day. Um, when it comes to recovery, it's the body needs to um, needs to have time to repair. If you have a hard workout, if you go to the gym and you um, do an exercise that causes a few like minor muscle tears in order to get stronger. It actually needs time, that time to recover because the muscle needs to rebuild and become stronger before you can go again. If it hasn't got to that rebuild phase, there's uh, increases the likelihood of the injury and you can get into some, um, some real trouble. So recovery, if you want to train hard, you need to recover hard as well. And, a lot of that comes to sleep, like getting really good quality sleep, getting a really nice nutrition in order for the body to um, get the nutrients it needs to recover and start producing more output. And yeah, I would say taking it from there and realizing the importance that you do need to get get all those things into check, your sleep, your nutrition, uh, monitoring your stress levels and making sure that you're feeling fresh. Um, yeah generally feeling fresh over the given week. A hundred percent, man. I think one of the, uh, one of the really interesting things, and I, I knew you would, I knew you would nail it. That's why I wanted you to speak on it first. Cause then yeah. I can just, um, I can just f- fizzle off on your dot points and make myself look really smart. Um, <laughs> is, uh, is, uh, the, the recovery factor that, that John Quinn yourself just touched on that I, I think is so often overlooked. You mentioned it is, is stress. Um, and, like you don't have to look far to see in our culture. We're, we're very much a culture of like get more done in less time. And, you know, a lot of us are obsessed with productivity, not for productivity's sake, but just so we can squeeze more into our schedule. And um, I think, yeah, that's, that's great for, for one aspect of your life. And, and, you know, if you're using that perspective or, or that approach just in your work life, yeah, sure, you'll get more work done in, in less time. But there's like there's so many facets that go into a healthy life and especially on the subject of running performance is um, – like rather than using productivity as a tool just to fit more in, um, using productivity uh, or, or just um, eliminating sort of the bull crap from your life is a really helpful key just to create some space. A lot, I don't know if it's the same in your world, man, but one of the most common answers I get when I ask people, oh, how are you going, how are you been? Oh, it's just so busy, man. I'm flat out. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and, and they say it like they're the victim and they completely knock the victim. Maybe they feel like they are because they've, they've developed a lifestyle where um, – you know that level of busyness and productivity and um just go 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 has has become expected of them but but man like you're the captain of your own ship and i think just taking some practical steps i'm a big fan of of the minimalists i'm not sure if you heard of them um but they speak about just eliminating the the excess from your life so you can focus on what's really important i think when it comes to running performance you want to get rid of um you know whether it's the just those toxic people in your life or whether it's the um, just that hectic workload that you've created or the, the constant early mornings where you're ignoring your sleep. And if you could figure out how to maybe include like a, I know it's a hot topic at the moment, but there's a reason Buddhists have been speaking about it for two and a half thousand years, uh, meditation and just learning to just to break that cycle of addiction to like the emotional responses that we have to our thoughts. It's amazing how much fresher you can feel going out to a, to a training session. In fact, to bring Stewie up again, Stewie McSwain, one reason I think he's so great when it comes to, um, race day performance is because he, he, he doesn't overcomplicate it. He's a, 
um, and, and I mean this in a like a, in a completely complementary sense of the word. He's got a very simple approach to running from what I can tell. He doesn't overcomplicate it. He'll get the work done. He'll let himself recover. And then when it's time to shine, he does it. Um, whereas you can just spend so much time and energy, and I've been there, just uh, spinning the wheels of emotional thought. And, um, this, you know, you might go out to training after an argument with a friend or a partner, and you can just feel the difference in your performance. So if you can make those uh, adjustments, um, create a little bit of space for the for the dust to settle, um, for yourself to calm down. Man, you're not going to know yourself next time you go out for a run. We're working so well off each other. I think we're, um, I think we're sort of vibing off each other. You're getting a lot of these really good analogies and these really good add-on points that I'm making, <laughs> and I think we're combining this. It's, it's turning out to be a really really cool product. I have a um, a story just on the back of that as well. Um, when you're talking about the grinding it out through daily life and um, lacking recovery you could say um me when i was working full-time as an employee and then trying to get this online business off the ground and trying to combine the two um at the same time it was pretty much like having like a full-time job and a part-time job at the same time and i noticed that was impacting my sleep a lot as well because during the day i'm constantly thinking rattling am i doing enough is um and a lot of it was excitement as well starting the the new business venture and starting like the new podcast, all that sort of thing. And I noticed as soon as I was laying down at night, I was waking up at 3, 4 a.m., like my mind constantly like buzzing because I hadn't had time to unwind. And I know it was impacting my recovery time and I wasn't feeling like I could perform as well. And I do have this aura ring that measures my sleep and measures my um, recovery stats and I just wasn't recovering and wasn't until I'm now working part-time as uh, an employee and part-time with this online business and um, spreading that load. And I feel like I'm a lot more clear-minded and a lot more settled now and I'm sleeping a lot better and does impact your training. I'm not getting any overuse injuries at the moment, which is very nice, <laughs> but um, yeah. it does tie in really well. So your running, your performance also need, links in with your daily um, stresses and your work and your family commitments and all those little choices that you make throughout the day um, yeah can have a big impact on your training yeah man um it's a it's a really interesting point and just to, to add one more little asterisk at the bottom of this at the bottom of this point is um uh, I'm really interested in, in just spirituality in general and I think um, one thing that I think Judaism nailed is is the idea of a sabbath um, so the Sabbath is just like a, a rest day, one day a week. You work for you work for your six days or whatever, and you have a day just to um, uh, just to put every all of your unfinished work on hold because there's never going to be a point where your work or your training or anything is is un, uh, is, is finally finished. Very and true. Uh, I, I think what's so cool about that is, man, it's so easy for me to sit here and in a little bite-sized piece speak about how, you know, we spend too much time thinking about our work and uh, you just mentioned how much energy and excitement goes into it. Dude, I'm, I'm exactly the same and, it, and I'm so glad my wife's not listening to this right now because she'd be looking at me going, oh, baby, you're really going to make this message because it's something that I'm, I'm really trying to learn as well, just that nice balance of, okay, work and rest. And, man, so at about, at about 6 o'clock every Friday, um, I, I'd force myself to switch my computer off. I put my phone away. Um, and, and I don't think about, I don't think about stats and I don't think about members or, or I try not to, it, it takes a couple of hours, but man, by, by Saturday night or Sunday morning, I'm, uh, I'm refreshed. I'm, I'm ready to go again. Whereas if you're just constantly just burning that oil, just 24 seven, you're going to have nothing left. And, uh, so anyone out there, you don't have to be religious in, in any sense of the word, but just try giving you, uh, yourself a, a, a Sabbath, a day off where, yeah, your work. You still have a lot of work to do, but you decide that no, no. For for right now, I'm gonna I'm gonna rest in this uh, in this sort of unknown territory of, um, you know, a lot to do. But uh, it's out of a respect for yourself as well. Um, yeah, we're not we're not created just to 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 burn the candle at both ends. And uh, I think you can see the results of that in stress and just you know anxiety and stuff that's taking place around us at the moment. Yeah, and I think it might just be recognizing that all the work that you have is continuous. It's never going to really end. As soon as you complete a, another task, then you have it, you'll follow up immediately with another one. And yeah, you can get the sense that, oh, I just need to do this today. Oh, I just need to get this done. I'll just get this done, but it's, it's never ending. And yeah, just recognizing that because some people don't have that awareness of, okay, this will be never ending. Yes, there are 
my work days, but less to set aside some time to just do nothing. And um, I'm going to feel better for it if I just mentally switch off and I recognize this is my rest day and this is my recovery day. And yeah, setting aside some time, I reckon that's a really good point. Um, yeah, and it's something you can train to do as well. It's not something a lot of people out there would probably be thinking, yeah, but I've just got so much to do. I can't believe it. you wouldn't. If you were in my shoes, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be recommending that. I still would. Um, and it's something that, yeah, over time it, it becomes more natural. Just like going for a long run gets easier over time. Learning how to switch off and rest gets easy with practice. So if you feel like you're um, in a situation where oh, this just does not apply to you, it does. And, and maybe you could find some ways to, um, you, you know, just create little spaces, little pockets of rest in your, in your day. Yeah. I want to move on. There's one point that I have written down, which can be um, nice and concise, but I think I want to get this one across and it's for mainly beginners. I often see new runners that don't have a lot of guidance. They're, they're runs. They want to be like harder workouts and it's not until about four or five weeks down the track, a couple of months down the track that they actually learn to start running slow. And so um, that, is one training error that I think a lot of new runners make is thinking that they need to run fast and you can start like once you become a little bit like once you're a few more months in, you can run at different speeds. And I hear a lot of runners being like, Oh, I just didn't know how to run slow. They, they just simply don't learn because they see runners on, you know, Instagram and on TV and they're, they're running as fast as they can. But it's recognizing the importance of running slow and how good you actually feel once you start running slow. You can start to enjoy running a little bit more. And it's that enjoyment factor that is created, I think, when people do realize that they can be in control of their breath, they can take in the scenery and they can um, really start to enjoy that process once they learn how to back off that speed and start running a bit slower. And you'll notice that the body will also bounce back a lot quicker and you can probably run the next day if you've taken it really lightly the following day or the, the previous day. What, what do you have to say about that? Uh, first of all, I think it's a, it's a great point. I've got that written down as, as my next dot point as well, um, which is funny. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I, think, I, I think you've nailed it. And I think uh, my only problem with, with the Garmin is that I think it, it constantly challenges you to run a bit faster unless you're in control of, of, of what the point of that run is. Um, so I think uh, if you go out for a run, say you've gone out for a Sunday and you have a really nice run and you feel like you've had a breakthrough and, you know, you've, you've managed to run, you know, 10K under five or six minutes or whatever pace you're running at, it's a, it's a really encouraging thing. I think the only problem comes when the next day you think, okay, so now I'm running at that pace. How good is that? And you go out and you feel uh, running's, a, a running's a brutal sport and it lets you know exactly where you're at in terms of um, your, your recovery, your physical health. So if you get up on the Monday and your legs are still heavy from the day before, the idea of, of running at the pace that you did the day before is, is ridiculous. Man, like, I think if I looked at my Strava account, it was – what day is it today? It's uh, Monday. Monday. Yeah, if I looked at my Strava account from Saturday, I think I, I went out and I ran um, – like maybe 10 or 12 Ks and it was like four four thirty eight pace, which for me at the moment is, is it like a good run. I felt good. Then I went out for a run yesterday and uh, I was running like 506s and, and the effort that I was putting in felt, uh, it felt a lot harder than what it did a couple of days ago. And it wasn't because it wasn't because I was unfitter in two days time. It was because of the fact that, you know, there's obviously maybe, maybe I hadn't nailed my food or maybe I hadn't rested uh, as much as I needed to, or maybe my legs were still recovering from that run. So I think one thing I always say is, yeah, if you if your body's feeling up to it, yeah, sure. Like yeah, stretch it out a little bit, but don't feel the the need every day to, to have to go out. In fact, I say on your recovery days, um, run at a pace that you'd be embarrassed to be caught running at by someone uh-huh. that you knew. That's a good one. And, and that's a, that's a pretty good measure for me. Like if I'm running along and think oh, it's a recovery day, if I'm not embarrassed to be seen at that pace, I go, okay, maybe, maybe back it off a little bit. And I, I try and leave my Garmin at home from time to time. Just so, especially on a run that I know is a recovery, because I don't want to get 5K in and be like, oh man, I'm running five minute 10 splits, what's going on? I just want to go out and recover and spin my legs over. Um, so maybe, yeah, run using your Garmin for a session, <clears throat> excuse me, using your Garmin for a session where you need to hit a time's a good move um, sometimes, but then on your recovery days, hey, just leave it in the cupboard and, and don't put too much stress on yourself. Yeah, I think they recognize that 
are you um, looking at your Garmin and are you, what are you using it for? Is it, are you using it for, to optimize your performance? Are you using it to the best of your ability? Are you, are you using it to maybe perhaps slow down? I know um, sometimes with experience like a Garmin, you can look at your splits and be like, oh, I'm actually going too fast. Let me back off. But are you, depends what mindset you've put yourself in and that's a great point. the tool that you want it to be used for um so yeah some people might not have that awareness unless we make that point so it's good that we we make that i like the um the embarrassingly slow pace <laughs> i'll start using yeah. that one uh do you want to <laughs> chuck out me. another I'm still trying to figure out how to get on top of my ego and i know <laughs> if someone calls me running slow that would hurt a bit so i go okay there we go that's a good one <laughs> uh, yeah, we hit the good zone there. Very nice. Um, do you have a, the, another point? I think we might do one more dot point each before we wrap up, but um, maybe just list off. Uh, is there one specific point that you really want to get across today? Well, this is the last point on my page, so I'll give you this oh, one. And that's just um, like anything, it's a, it's a lack of consistency. Um, I used the comedy example at the, at the start of the um, podcast, but the, the best comedians are the ones who have, who have got up for five years after doing three or four gigs a week consistently. Like there's so many people who say they've been doing comedy for 10 years, but they do one gig a fortnight and, um, you know, you just don't see a whole heap of breakthrough. So I would say the same is, is true for running. Um, if you're, if you're expecting to get really good results, the most important thing you can do is it's almost like a, uh, all of these points that we've, we've spoken about today tie together to allow this to happen, um, to allow you to be more consistent, the recovery, the slowing down, um, the patients if if you can be consistent uh for for 12 months i think the i think the improvement that you'll see will will really blow your mind i think a lot of people aim for a a huge result in one week and lose sight of how long they're going to be running for so um hey try and tie a couple of these factors together in a way that allows you to get up each day or every second day depending on where you're at in your training program and, and just get out and do a little bit. If you can tie a, a big strain, it's the Steve Monaghetti phone book theory. Have you heard that one where, you know, every, every, every training session is, uh, is just one piece of paper in a phone book and one piece of paper is really easy to break. But if you can tie together, you know, a phone book worth of that really thin paper, there's not too many people who can rip a, who can rip a phone book in half. And, uh, I think that's a, that's a great thought for, for your training. Consider each day, just one piece of paper, the more you can tie together, you eat, the, the harder you're going to be to break down. So, um, yeah, aim to build your own little uh, own little phone book with your with your training programs. Yeah, I think there's the bulk of runners out there, or recreational runners out there, they um, buy a uh, a run. They they give themselves a um, audacious goal for one or two months down the track and they train for it within one to two months and it's a little bit of a, a stretch, a little bit of a challenge and they might get injured and as soon as they're injured that it gets harder to get back and make that race in, you know, which is now three weeks away and they're frustrated and they're trying to get back as soon as they can. They're trying to get back. And then once they either do or don't do the the race, they pick another one a couple of months down the track and then train for that. And I um, asked this question to anyone who's listening. Do you have a 12 month plan? I don't think I've ever had a 12 month plan in my life, um, mm. but it comes with a, a smart, that's the smarter structure to have. If you, if you train smart and you have those, uh, if you're playing the long game and you're getting that consistency, um, that's setting yourself up for success. That's a really good point, man. No, that's really good. Very good. Uh, I have one more point that I want to make, and I don't know if I can relate this to a training error per se, but it's just a message I really want to get across. And it's more for the experienced advanced runners who have been doing it for a couple of years. And it's the sheer like frustration of like the ongoing, lingering, reoccurring injuries they might have. And they're becoming their own worst enemy a little bit because of the levels of frustration that they do have. And they end up running through pain because they're, they're kind of a bit of obsessed and it's a bit of a compulsion for running. And the lack, I, I guess if there is a, an error in training that I can pinpoint, it's the lack of alternatives to exercise and cross-training uh, when they are injured and having like something to fall back on and um, something they enjoy doing where they're still exercising, they're still keeping strong, but they're recovering that injury. And for a lot of people, uh, it's a 
running is the only solution for them and it can be detrimental if that is uh, um, driving that injury that they do have. And I, a lady contacted me on Facebook just the other day. Her name was Melanie and she was talking about um, on a previous podcast how I say that runners, they're always making um, their, their own worst enemy when it comes to these sort of things. And she made a good point. She says, um, yeah, almost forgetting like one of the most important parts. And she said running for her is like a drug. It like stabilizes her mood. Um, she's been running for so many years and she's got a family, kids and like some daily stresses and running is the solution. It stabilizes her mind. It calms it down. It, um, yeah, that's her drug. That's her answer. And it's devastating when she's not running. But if you're injured and can't run, it's really a really tough spot for people to be in. Do you see yeah. that a lot with your runners? A hundred percent. Well, man, last week I had Genevieve Lacaz on the great, I mean, if I call her Genevieve Lacaz one more time, her name is Genevieve Gregson. Now she's married to the great man, Ryan. Uh, she's just <laughs> lodged in my mind as Jen Lacaz. Uh, and uh, yeah, she was on, she was on the podcast last week. And, and one thing that she said is um, there's a couple of days a week where she doesn't structure in a, a second run, but she'll go down to the local pool and she'll just do some water running um, she says she'll, she'll try and run at a pace where she's getting a similar effect uh, with her cardio as what she would on an easy run. But just the stress that it puts on her body is so much less than, you know, running out on, on grass or pavement or wherever it is that she's running. Wow, and cool. uh, and she, that was born out of some frustration of a couple of years of inconsistency due to injury. And, and that really, uh, it just, it struck me as a, as a sign of maturity in an athlete, first of all. And secondly, it, um, it just lodged in my mind as a good reminder to, to athletes who feel like the only answer is more, more, more running. Yeah. Um, yeah so there are ways to, uh, to, to get out and actually, uh, you know, fix those little emotional strains and those stresses in a way that doesn't put so much stress on your joints. Um, and I, and I, I think water running or swimming or, or maybe jumping on a bike, depending on you know what it is that you're trying to achieve, could be some really valuable options as well. Yeah. And a point that we should make is like the actual, the increase in stress and the increase in frustration is actually manifesting more of that injury and kind of lacking your recovery. And I do on my podcast, I, I did a whole series on pain science and, um, how people perceive pain and if you are feeding this your mind and your brain with more stress and more frustration because running is the only answer and you can't run but that's your only stress relief and the frustration just builds and builds that actually uh inhibits the recovery process and even like when you're talking about with your meditation and um being a bit more calm and having a bit more presence of mind um, can really go a long way. Just recognizing that the the state that you put yourself in does directly impact your recovery and directly impact um, negativity and positivity and um, seeing like the light at the end of the tunnel, all this sort of thing. But yeah, it's hard for people to wrap their mind around because they're just stuck in this really endless cycle of um, getting injured and frustration. Yeah, it's really true. Even I, I find personally, actually, I learned this in 2015. Man, I um I went over to to Nepal for a month, and I was I was just climbing through the Himalayas with a couple of the local Sherpas, and uh, and one of the guys, his name was Mingmar. Um, I don't know how he got onto the the conversation, but he spends his day essentially walking through the mountains. Um, and uh, I said to him, like, oh, do, like, do, do you find a lot of Nepalese people get stressed? And he he sort of laughed at me. He's like, <laughs> oh man, we don't. He's like, when you spend your day, when you spend your day out walking in nature, he goes, a, a lot of the stress that comes up is emotional. It just needs a place to be, um, I guess, expressed or released is probably a better word. And he says, uh, he goes, I'm climbing up and down these hills all day that, you know, any problems that I have, there's, there's plenty of room for that emotional regulation to take place. And, um, so even if it was something simple, like if you're, if you're stressed, um, and, and you, you, you can't run, I think even just going for a walk out in nature or even going for a swim or, or doing any of the number of things that we've just touched on is a, is a really good place to, um, is to, uh, to, to sort of relieve that stress. My uncle, who's a paramedic up on the Gold Coast, says the same thing after like a really traumatic scene that he would go to. I said, oh, like there's a, you know, there's obviously a lot of uh, um, psychological 
baggage that can carry along for, for paramedics. I said, how do you deal with it? And he said, oh, just, just exercise of any form. So, um, yeah, I think one of the best things you could do if you can't run um, uh, due to injury and you're, you're stressing about it is just get out and, and, and keep your lungs and your heart pumping. And it doesn't take that long to adapt once you get back into it. Even man, Craig Mottram's told me uh, many times that if you're uh, like the difference between cycling and running isn't, isn't that huge. Like if you've been on a bike for a little while, maintaining your fitness and then get back into your running, you would be surprised how quickly you adapt. So there are a number of ways to adapt and adjust. And I, I think, um, so long as we're flexible and we're rolling with the punches, it makes that whole process easier to endure. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good point. And I think it's a really good way to finish up this podcast. I'll um, make a couple of uh, maybe a bit of a recap. So we had, we had for training errors, doing too much too soon, um, comparing yourselves to others, whether it's mates or social media, making sure you've got the right type of shoes Combine, making sure you're wary of combining too many variables at once to lead that might lead to overuse injuries. So speed, distance, hills, uh, learning to run slow. Make sure you have that embarrassing pace as your uh, recovery run. Talking about recovery, making sure recovery is adequate. Making sure or realizing the importance of linking stress, sleep, nutrition with your recovery. Making sure you're trying to be consistent make sure you have a longer term plan and just what we touched on the end just linking or having alternatives to running if so has or if it comes to a situation where you do need to to back off your running and um, utilize another form of exercise can be a really good way to implementing your training to reduce uh, the likelihood of either or the importance of recovering from an injury or for injury prevention as well, having that alternative. Um, was there anything that I missed? Anything that you want to add to that? Man, I think you nailed it. It's good to do these little summaries at the end so people can be like, oh, yeah, that's right, and then they can go away with um, a few points or like just reinforcing some points as well is good for um, people to take away. If people are like, man, this Tyson sounds really good, I, I think we we um, vibed off each other really well. I really, You have different insights and different stories and different analogies i think i need to work on my analogies <laughs> um <laughs> but we we worked off each other really well so if people are listening they're like man i really like tyson I really like his his um vibe and they want to listen to you more where, where can they go what should they do yeah man like everything i do is at relaxrunning.com um that's uh that's where you i've got a podcast as well relax running podcast that's all free if you wanted more insight into um you know, I'm creating, a, a, I guess, a library of the best runners in the world um, that, that just offer some real clarity and some real stepping points to um, be able to improve your running. Um, you can become a relaxed running member. At the moment, it's because it's, it's so new, uh, it's, it's five bucks a month. Um, so it's, it's in US dollars because a lot of my, my listeners are based in the US. So it's just easy to set it up that way. Um, but five bucks a month, you'll access... Um, I've got a community forum where you can get answers to a heap of questions off, you know, there's people like yourself on there who are physios and there's athletes and there's a real growing community. Um, there's also little bite-sized videos where you can yeah, look at a topic like recovery or nutrition or training or marathon preparation. And then for members also, um, there's like a, there's, there's bonus podcasts. So for example, um, running a marathon PB is one that I'm going to upload this week with Brett Robinson, who's just broke the Australian half marathon record, which by the way, is the most disgusting time, 5957. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, I, I think, um, um, at the moment, if you, if you jump on board, just value for money, it's just, you, you'll never pay more than that. So I think that's a, they're probably the only places you, you really need to know. Don't come and watch my comedy yet. I need five more years of practice. So uh, I'll tell you the good stuff. And uh, and then in five more years, bro, I'll plug my comedy as well. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any comedy like online or on YouTube or anything? Definitely not. Okay. All right. Well, Definitely let me know. Not. I do my best to, to keep. Yeah. 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 You, you won't hear for a long, long time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. No, awesome, man. That was a really good chat. Thanks so much, dude. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe if maybe I'll tell um, your audience about my podcast as well, and then we'll finish Please, up. Man. Yeah. So if you're because I know um, you, Tyce, you're going to put this episode on your podcast as well. So if um, someone might be listening and want to jump over, if people are in the US, if most of the in the US, I know they love their podcasts over there. Um, 
So I have a podcast called the Run Smarter Podcast and we're going on this journey learning uh, steps along the way just to make better, smarter training decisions towards increasing performance and decreasing risk of injury and I'm going outside the scope of physio um, as well just so I can start learning and we're in the next couple of weeks getting a lot of um, say like sleep experts and nutritionists, uh, sports dietitians on as well just to um, help my knowledge and the audiences is going to be learning along with me. But uh, yeah, there's at the moment a lot of really good tips, a lot of really good episodes on how to make better, smarter decisions in your training to increase performance and decrease risk of injury. So if you're interested with that, just um, wherever you listen to your podcast, go to the Run Smarter podcast and yeah, jump on. So Tice, that's, this was a good episode. This has been great. <laughs> Mate, I, uh, I hope people enjoyed as much as I did. I reckon we're going to have a lot of new fans if they do. So no, that was, that was really cool talking to you, man. Thanks a lot. You're very welcome. Yeah, thanks as well. Um, we'll finish up there. So uh, take care, mate. You too. See you, brother.